This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast, Padcast. I almost called it a Padcast. It's a podcast, people. Equip Podcast. My name is Mark Vance. I'm lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church, and I want to talk this week about spiritual rhythms, life-making spiritual rhythms, kind of a cycle of how we cultivate a dependent life on Jesus. And I want to kind of start this out with just a little intro where I contrast the idea of what I would call spiritual rhythms or spiritual habits with spiritual disciplines. Now, this podcast is not an attempt for me to say spiritual disciplines are unimportant. I think of the traditional spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, fasting, giving. They are active things that we use to pursue kind of putting ourselves on the path where God's grace can intersect us. And I want you to read your Bible. I mean, folks, we put out a Bible reading plan every year for Cornerstone. I want you to gather for corporate worship with God's people. But when I talk about spiritual rhythms, here's my observation. In my years as a pastor, as you're trying to help people cultivate kind of the health of their soul, The observation I have is that many people who I can teach a proper approach for how to read the Bible, what breaks down is not their Bible reading approach, but the rhythms of their life. In other words, they just simply don't have habits of setting aside time daily or weekly or quarterly or annually to care for their soul. It's kind of like um, the analogy I give people is think of working out. Spiritual disciplines are like a, they're like the, the workout tools, like you're teaching someone how to do a bench press or how to run or how to, how to do a deep squat, you know, or something like that. I don't know if I got the terminology right. Crossfitters, you can let me know later. That, that's the teaching on spiritual disciplines. Many times in the church, we've taught people how to do a push-up, how to do a bench press, but most people they don't fail to cultivate health because they don't know how to do a push-up. They fail to cultivate health because they don't have a rhythm. They don't have a habit of going to the gym. So when I talk about life-making spiritual rhythms, what I'm talking about is daily, weekly, quarterly, annual habits of life, rhythms for how you live your life, where you are learning how to abide in Christ, where you're setting aside a time with a specific spiritual goal to cultivate the health of your soul. And I think if you will cultivate these healthy spiritual rhythms, they are the vehicle for how you will actually put spiritual disciplines into action. The foundational teaching on this, so that's the intro. Here's the teaching on it, and then I'm going to try to talk about some practical rhythms that I would, I would advocate for you putting into your life. The teaching on this is that God has wired the world to work in kind of this rhythm that moves from rest to work. You see it actually wired into the order of creation itself. If we were to go back to the beginning, right, 
when God creates the heavens and the earth. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, you see an order and a rhythm that God has ordained inside of the creation. It's kind of, you know, apparent in the order of creation. He speaks and then creation's formed. He speaks and creation's formed. But even greater, as you go forward, as you look at each of the days of creation, God does his work of creating in six days. He works, he works, he works. And then it says, Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he has made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came and then morning the sixth day, chapter 2, verse 1. So the heavens and the earth were completed and everything in them. And on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it he rested from his work of creation. So simply think about that for a second. When it says that God rested from his work of creation, was he tired? Well, no. I mean, he's the creator. Why would he implement this kind of pendulum-like rhythm where you move from rest to work, from rest to work, from evening to morning, from working on the creation to enjoying and resting and cultivating, just enjoying the work that he had done? Well, I don't think he does it because he needs the rest. He does it because we need the rest. He has just, in Genesis chapter 1, created mankind in his image. And so his image bearers, God in resting from his work, is teaching his image bearers what life in his image looks like. It's not endless work. It's not constant doing. It is moving from rest to work. Think of like a ball on a string that is just like a pendulum flowing from the one to the other. That is the rhythm that God has embedded inside of the created world. It's seen at the very beginning, but as we go on, when Jesus describes this, here's another analogy we can give from rest to work. We can talk about from abiding to fruitfulness. John chapter 15 Jesus says he's the true vine, his father is the gardener. Every branch that doesn't produce fruit, he removes, he prunes every branch so it would bear more fruit. He says, you're already clean because the word I've spoken to you. So now abide, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains, who abides in me, and I in him will produce much fruit because you can do nothing without me. That's John 15 verses 1 to 5. Again, there's this pendulum-like movement from abiding in Christ who is a life-giving vine to flowing out in the work of fruitful production. The key to fruitful ministry is abiding resting in Jesus. The key to growth of the vine is the pruning work of the Father. There is this embedded rhythm for how spiritual life is to work. We're moving from work to rest, from work to rest. There is a kind of, I'll call it a soul-sustaining, restful, abiding rhythm that prepares us to go out into the world for the fruitful, working, growing rhythm. And they work together they work together. And if you don't build that sort of movement from work to rest, this unhurried rhythm, this spiritually sustaining rhythm, then what you're doing constantly is burning yourself into the ground and then trying to recharge from nothing. This feels to me like the American rhythm, 
right? You have Jesus's rhythm, which sees us work out of a soul level rest so that our work is productive while our soul is cared for. In America, we have a work as hard as you possibly can to get ahead, burn the candle at both ends, you know, so that then you can crash and go on a vacation where you're disconnected from the world. And then you go, we're grinding our souls into a pulp. Or on the other side, we have people who are just simply lazy, you know? We're just sitting around doing nothing. We're playing at our work and working at our play with these hobbies, thinking that inside of them we'll find life. No, you're supposed to work in the world, but out of a place of rest. What we need to learn from Jesus is what Eugene Peterson called in his translation, The Message, the unforced rhythms of grace. In Matthew chapter 11, some of you will know that is. Uh, the come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Eugene Peterson in the message, he translates that section this way. I think it is so profound when we think about the concept of living in spiritual rhythms. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion and activity? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. See that rhythm? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's the invitation of Jesus. To work from rest, not to work for rest. To have permission from Jesus to start every day in a place of soul-level quiet and rest in Him before we go out to live a productive life to pull away once a week, to be with him, to play, to pray, to enjoy what God's given. That's a life lived inside the unhurried rhythms of grace. And so the terminology I'm going to use as we teach on what would that look like in your daily life? What would that look like in your week? Is I'm going to call these life-making rhythms or a life-making cycle. That's the terminology. I was taught this first using material called unique, but we've kind of adapted it here at Cornerstone and used this in some different contexts. We've taught this to our staff, and I thought this is something that has been so helpful to me spiritually. Learning how to live life with a consistent rhythm. Think of the rhythms again, to go back to our analogy between rhythms and disciplines. These are the packaging in which you put your disciplines. The rhythms give you the space to implement spiritual practices. So what are the rhythms? I want to talk about a daily rhythm, a weekly rhythm, a quarterly rhythm, and an annual rhythm. Daily, weekly, quarterly, annually. Each of them, I'm going to give you a simple idea for what you should head toward to cultivate that rhythm. And I think it's achievable for you. I think these are things you can put on your calendar. You can prioritize in your week that will lead to soul-level health, where you will begin to learn from Jesus how to walk with him and work with him, how to rest with him and go out into the world and do productive work with him. They're the unforced rhythms, habits, 
of grace. So the first one, let's talk about the daily rhythm. In the daily rhythm of spiritual care, a rest rhythm is sleep and stillness. Okay, now there are other things I could talk about, but by sleep and stillness, here's what I'm getting at. God's basic way to restore you physically, emotionally, even on some spiritual levels, is that you will lie down and sleep each day. Sleep is a daily spiritual life-making rhythm. Sleep. Sleep. The Bible will say this often in the Psalms. He gives his beloved sleep. Sleep, people. It's so interesting to me. I read recently, I was rereading the story of Elijah as he comes down from fighting against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You, you think of this, this is like if you grew up in, you know, um, if you grew up in church and you were ever around like the flannel graph where you told stories in your Bible class using the flannel graph. Well, it, this is the one you always read, at, read about. This is Elijah. He goes up to the Mount Carmel and he calls all of the you know prophets of Baal to come back and he he fights against them and he prays and he says you know God send fire from heaven and the fire comes down from heaven and consumes the altar and this is there's this incredible victory that God works for Elijah and then that's that's in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 1 Kings chapter 19 Elijah finds out that Ahab and Jezebel the evil wicked uh, king and queen in that day are mad at him and want to kill him. So he runs away for his life and hides. And as he ran away, he basically gets to a point where he's so depressed, it says he sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he would die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. You need to take my life. And it says he lay down there and he slept. Then an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And the angel provides a loaf of bread, a jug of water, and then he eats, he drinks, and he sleeps again. And then he eats, he drinks, and he sleeps again. Okay, I just want you to think about that. This struck me so much. Maybe it won't strike you, but it struck me. Elijah needs to restore his soul. He has come down from an incredible spiritual victory. He needs to restore his soul. And what's the first thing that God allows Elijah to do? He doesn't give him a word from heaven He doesn't give him a Torah scroll to read. He doesn't pray. He puts Elijah to bed, and then he makes him some food. God's daily plan of sleep for you, that's not just like a good health goal. That is a spiritual practice where daily, as I go to bed, here's the confession I'm making. I often think this consciously. It has been such a good practice to me. As I'm laying down to sleep, I think, and God, now I'm going to close my eyes and the world will continue to work because you're God who never sleeps and never slumbers. And right now, as I close my eyes, I'm confessing, I am not God. Sleep is the daily confession that you are the creation, not the creator. And as you wake from sleep, The the second daily habit. So if the foundation starts with sleep, the second step for soul level spiritual rhythm is stillness. You wake from sleep and you don't rush to activity. You slowly walk to be with Jesus. 
Simply put, do not open your email until you open your Bible. Don't open your smartphone until you have been with Jesus. Don't walk out to the work of your day until you have remembered who you are in Christ. And so whatever that looks like for your daily habits of Bible reading or whatever, for me, I just try to get at least 15 minutes where my goal is to be still and know that he's God, where I pray and I read scripture and I journal a little bit, but I start my day on my knees. That's what we're after. Don't rush to the work. Don't rush to the work until you've paused to be still and know that he's God. So the daily life-making rhythm, every day, every day, you need to sleep, acknowledging your creatureliness, and you need to be still to start your day on your knees aware of God. That's a daily habit. It's a daily life-making rhythm. I'm not even so interested in what do you do while you're still. I can give you tools, but I'm more interested in the fact that you get still with God before you rush into your day. If the rhythm is there, the disciplines can be inserted into that vehicle. Second life-making rhythm happens on a weekly basis. If your daily rhythm is sleep and stillness, your weekly rhythm that Scripture talks about is the principle of Sabbath. Now, you don't have to be like a, there are some Christians that are Sabbatarians, and a strict Sabbatarian, what that simply means is like, you honor the Sabbath as a means of like keeping the law. Um, you, if you don't do this, you're disobedient, and there's very strict rules about, you know, you don't mow your lawn on those days, all that sort of stuff. I'm not, I'm not holding to that sort of strict legalistic reading of Sabbath. Instead, what I'm using is the reading of Sabbath is it is part of the rhythm God has woven in, not just in the Old Testament law, but in the basic framework of the created world. We read it in Genesis chapter 1. Before the law is ever given, God demonstrates for his image bearers what true flourishing life would look like by resting on the seventh day. So what is the Sabbath day about? It is after a week of work. I have a day to rest from being productive. It's a reminder that I'm not loved by the Father because of my productivity. Sabbath is a gift to me. It's the best day of the week. It's a chance to play and to pray and to rest. Sabbath as a practice should be a day where the best of the fruit of our labor we enjoy. So, what that this means simply, when it comes to a life-making rhythm, is that I want you on your calendar to put in a 24-hour time period where you are intentionally unproductive. Okay, so some of you are thinking, okay, hold on. I do not like being unproductive. Well, uh, kindly, too bad. That's, you know, there are lots of commands in Scripture that I don't like. This isn't something that I do because it's easy. I, I by nature, am a high-productivity person, okay? I want to, every day, start with a list. This is the day of my week where there's no list to get done. Um, this may be hard. If you can't get 24 hours, I know parents with young, young kids, I, this can be tricky. Try to do this in coordination. So give each other, like, two hours off, then the other person gives the other person two hours off, and you do something that's fun and enjoyable to you. Some people think of Sabbath as a day of rest means you all you do is nap and watch TV. That's not what rest is biblically defined. 
rest is the thing that sustains and fulfills your soul. So I find going on a long walk or run restful. I find taking some time to walk around outside with my wife restful. I'm sweating and working. It's just that I'm not doing chores. I'm not doing housework. I'm not catching up on emails. One of the great principles in Sabbath for me is I make it a low-tech or no-tech day. I might watch golf on TV. Okay, that's a confession. I like watching golf. Nothing will put you to sleep for a Sunday nap like watching golf. But guys, Sabbath is a day to pray and play. Many of us, this should be Sunday as we gather with God's people. But try not to make it a busy, hurried day. The idea is a day of rest. So don't yell at each other while you're going to church. Take a deep breath. Contemplate God. Pray. Get into His presence. Acknowledge His goodness. And then enjoy it. Get a good meal. Enjoy time with family and friends. Sabbath the the principle is this on a weekly basis you should have at least one day a week where you stop trying to be productive and you just are unproductive in the presence of God okay that's a weekly habit a weekly life making rhythm third i want to talk about a quarterly rhythm that quarterly rhythm has to do with retreating and at some point on this podcast we'll probably spend some time talking about how to do a spiritual retreat how to take uh, a, an intentional time away. The principle of spiritual retreat is grounded in the pattern of Jesus. He is our example. He's the truest form of human life. And what does it say about Jesus in his earthly ministry? He often withdrew to the desolate places, away from the crowds, away from the activity, away from the work, to be with his Father. And so a spiritual retreat simply looks like this. It's an intentional time. I think on a quarterly basis is a good goal. For some people, this should be a little more. But it's an intentional time to simply do that, to go away, to be quiet in the presence of God in the desolate places. So for a good spiritual retreat to work, what you're going to need is a desolate place. That's ingredient one. Okay, so in the middle of like my house is not a great place for a spiritual retreat because in my house, I'm reminded of all the things that need to be done. There's laundry and there's kids and there's cooking. And there's So it needs to be away from your house probably. So it could be at a park. If you Ideally, you're going to spend a whole day retreating at some point, putting it on your calendar, spending 24 hours where you are quiet before God. That's the second uh, ingredient I would advocate for on a spiritual retreat is it needs to be quiet. Um, This isn't hustling, bustling, running to a vacation, okay? Like if you're like, I'm thinking about taking a spiritual retreat. I saw there's a NASCAR event coming up. Maybe I could do that for my spiritual retreat. I'm just going to gently say to you, uh, that's probably not going to be uh, real effective because NASCAR is pretty loud. You know, it needs to be quiet enough that you can quiet your soul and you can pray. Ideally, on a spiritual retreat, the only noise that I'm going to hear is nature and the noise of my voice praying to God. Okay, it needs to be disconnected. So by disconnected, it needs to be no tech. You, you don't want to be checking your email on a spiritual retreat. And then finally, on a spiritual retreat, you need to have space to basically just have your Bible, you, and God, where you're hearing from his voice through the Bible and responding to him in prayer. 
And in a spiritual retreat, what you're asking in some ways is, search me, God, know me, and help me to see the ways that I need to walk with you. It's a chance to reset the focus of your life. And so we'll go over that. But that quarterly retreat, I'm just simply going to tell you, in my life spiritually, has been the most important spiritual change I've made in the last several years, is intentionally planning at least quarterly to get 24 hours away with God. If you Again, if you can't get 24, get a half day. Get outside. Do something to begin to put this life-making rhythm into your schedule. Then the final one is annually. If you do a spiritual retreat quarterly, annually what you're going to do is take one of those spiritual retreats and intentionally focus that spiritual retreat on reflecting on what God has done. I call this an annual celebration. In the Bible, we saw it as festivals, where the people of Israel would, in very specific times every year, pull away from the work of producing to feast and rejoice in the presence of God. They would bring the best of the harvest, and they would rejoice in God's presence. They would do that. We have annual celebrations like birthdays and things like this. I want this one to be a spiritual annual celebration. And here's the practice. I was taught this by a spiritual mentor. He said, take two sheets of paper, and the week leading up to it, on one sheet of paper write, what is all that God has done that I am thankful for? On the other sheet of paper, right at the top of it, what is all that is left undone that is still a burden on my heart? And in that week before, kind of write all of that out. And on your annual retreat, what you're going to do is simply slowly pray your way through those two lists, leaving what is left undone with the Lord, rejoicing in what has been done in the presence of God, and then simply having a great time. An annual celebration is the time to eat the steak. It's the time to have a great time. It's a time to update the vision for where you're going to head on your life. So, Let's review briefly four life-making rhythms, life-making spiritual rhythms, the daily rhythm, rhythm of sleep and stillness, of starting your day on your knees, the weekly rhythm of Sabbath, a day to pray and play and stop being productive to be loved and be unproductive in the presence of God. A quarterly rhythm of spiritual retreat where you intentionally cultivate a time to get away from the crowds, from the busyness, from the technology, to be quiet before your Father in heaven. In an annual rhythm of celebration where you reflect on what has been done and what is left undone, and you leave that in the hands of God and then begin to rejoice in his presence. I want you to think through those rhythms and just simply ask, what would it look like for me to put that on my calendar? What would it look like for us in our marriage? This is something you can't do alone. You need to plan this together. Use this as a conversation about how to cultivate spiritual life. Because for many of us, if we are to learn from Jesus the unforced rhythms of grace, the problem isn't that we don't know how to read the Bible or we don't know how to pray. The problem is we don't have the intentional rhythms to sustain that spiritual life. So friends, I don't want you to hear this as a new set of regulations or rules. That's not it. Instead, this is an invitation from Jesus to find from him how to take real rest, to learn how to walk with him and work with him, to learn from him the unforced rhythms of grace. 
So I hope this is a little prompt, maybe as we go into this next stretch of summer and fall, of a new way to pursue spiritual life with Jesus and to pursue spiritual health in Him. Life-making rhythms, spiritual rhythms, not just spiritual disciplines, are essential to stay connected to Christ. 